Thanks for tuning in to another episode of my Not So Balanced Life podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Allie. And it definitely shouldn't have taken us this long to record this intro, so grab a snack and let's chat. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of my Not So Balanced Life podcast. We really need a jingle. I feel like I've been singing a lot. You have to stop singing in order for us to have a jingle. Like, you can't have both. Um, yeah, you just can't have both. I don't know. It's like a greatest showman moment. I just feel like I just gotta, I gotta take the opportunity. There's nothing slow jazz about the greatest showman. lot of negativity per usual. Anyways, you guys, welcome to another episode. Um, Hopefully you guys have been tuning in with us every single week. This is officially episode 27. Yay. (laughs) And with this week's episode, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Julie, um, which we will dive into talking to her um, and her background here in a little bit. But first, as always, Allie, the Quibble Corner. Any quibbles? Yes, we have quite a few about the J-Lo topic and in living color. All I want to say is that she was not even in the whole show. She was only in a few seasons and she was a backup dancer. Okay, thank you. And that's the end of that quibble. And the second one is from Brian, our harshest critic to date. And he's saying to stop policing people's responses, you got to encourage people to say whatever they want. I roll. But like I, we made a disclaimer earlier in the week. We're not trying to tell you what you can and cannot say. Just don't be an asshole when you're like writing into us. You know, there's a way to be like, hey, you messed up here, here, here without like insulting us in a way. You can say whatever you want, just say it in a nice way. Like, meanies or weenies, you guys. We've said it before. <laughs> that's, the, that's the easiest way to explain it. If you have a quibble, definitely let us know. We like to hear from you guys, but just do it like in a nice manner if possible. You can sh- you can fire some shots off, but like we're all friends here. Like, right. Let's be Gucci with one another. So um, also, I don't think anybody like in our little community is going to come out, come at us sideways as the kids say. Um, so we're not really too concerned with that, but if you are feeling um, on the spicier side that day, just tone it down a little bit when you're writing into us. Um, okay, so let's dive right in to our today's topic, which is a tough one. Um, so maybe grab a tissue, maybe grab three, maybe grab the whole dang box, like whatever you want. Um, today's topic is grief. And like Natalie said, we have um, a friend of ours, Julie, on the podcast. Um, I've actually known Julie since we were little um going to summer camp and gymnastics so i've known her for a really long time um and it's just really nice to be able to have you on today's episode i'm very excited thank you um okay so tell us a little bit and tell obviously everyone who's listening a little bit about yourself okay so i'm julie um i was Born in New Jersey, but I moved here when I was three with my family. Um, got here, I now 
teach kindergarten. Um, that's my life. So if I sound really raspy, this is why. Um, <laughs> First day of school. That's no joke. Yes. And we do like a thing where five kids come per day. So Monday through Thursday, and then everyone comes on Friday. So Friday is really like the first, first day where they're all meeting each other and seeing who else is in the class. And you're really realizing, oh, this person should not be with this person and (laughs) all that stuff. So it's a lot of repetition and it's a lot of, um, yeah, just talking. So if I'm raspy, that's why. So. Um, but yeah, uh, talk about your job stuff though. Last week, whenever you guys were talking about like all your old jobs, um, I started thinking about, I was like, what are my old jobs? I was like, what did I do? But actually I was a hostess at Pizzoodles, which is what my husband's family owns. We were just friends back then, but as a hostess for them, um, I was a, what was it? A fashion consultant at BCBG. I was a front desk, uh, hostess person at a hair salon. And then I became a preschool teacher and then a babysitter slash nanny slash if you need me to go on vacation with you, I'll go. And then now teacher. So nice. Oh, the hardest job. I swear you guys do not get enough credit. (laughs) One of the jobs she just said like 10. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. Let me back up. Teaching. Don't get enough credit for that. Especially kindergarten. That's no joke, but they are so stinking cute. They are cute. Even when they pick their nose, they're Even, still yeah. cute though. <laughs> oh God, no. But, but yeah, um, I don't know. I have two dogs. One's Bruiser. He's a almost 11-year-old pit bull. And that's a golden retriever. Her name's Sona. She's almost three. She's the cutest little thing in the entire world. She um, she's, yeah, she's like my little pride and joy. Alex thinks I love her more than him, so. It's fine. Oh, no big deal. <laughs> I mean, dog moms, that's kind right? of true statement. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then Alex and I, we've been married since June of this year. So oh, newly going married. right through the whole shebang of weddings and planning and the stress. It's I feel unreal that. until you finish it. And once your wedding's over, you're like, oh my gosh, I did all of that for this one day for this certain amount of time. And now you can actually breathe. That's I feel that here. Like everyone that is getting married or that has just gotten married, they're like so much planning goes into this few hours. It's not even like the whole day. It's like a six to eight yeah. hour, depending on how long you're at the venue or getting ready. But it's like months and months of planning for like, a chunk of a day. It's, it's like I keep telling Allie to elope because yes. I feel this whole conversation yes. on the deepest personal level of my soul right now. <laughs> like it's very fun to plan, but at the same time, it's like over the board stressful to plan. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> like even at the little tiny things, just like, oh, what do you want to do as gifts? You know? And like my mom, she made limoncello for our guests because our whole like nice. theme was a citrus theme. Cute. But she was supposed to bring it the day of the rehearsal and she forgot it at the house. So of course I'm freaking out. I'm like, mom, why didn't you bring it? Where'd it go? You had she one job. Like, exactly. And she's like, I'll bring it tomorrow. I'm like, you're going to be getting ready with us tomorrow. What do you think you're doing? Like you're insane. So, you know, it's just, it all ends up. Oh basically. God. Your mom's awesome. But then the day of. Thanks. She's, she's fantastic. She's but yeah, once it all adds up, it's like the day goes by in like a freaking second, you know? 
Like that's it's as if, yeah, it's amazing though. So we have um, another seven days away. Oh my God. No. Yeah. A lot. We have a friend, um, her name is Cindy and her husband, Tommy. Um, they told us to like, take a moment like where it's just the two of us or like, you know, the bride and groom because the day goes by so fast that they're like, you need that moment with just like both of you just alone to where you can really like soak up everything and just try and slow down a little bit of what's going on because everybody's like pulling you in every direction. They're like, smile here, smile this, do that, do this. And you're just like, haven't eaten yet. I know. Oh yeah. Make sure that your venue um, talk to them about your food because so our venue, we had a, we had our food there at the venue and we sat down for the, um, speeches. I ate a couple bites. And then of course, like you're standing up, giving hugs, saying, thank you. And then my bridesmaids gave their speech and I got up and said, thank you. And then we like went to dance. When I came back 10 minutes later, my food was gone. My salad was gone. My fish was gone. The bread was gone. And I was pissed. I was like, where the heck did this food go? And I guess their, like their way of doing it is that after a certain amount of time, if your food's still sitting there and you're not, they have to take it away. And same wow. with our cake. Our cake was cut and we only had like the taste of it from like doing the cake cutting and all the pieces were left out. And then 15 minutes later, all those pieces were in the trash because they, because I guess for them, they cannot keep it if it's already cut and it's been touched by hands, they have to throw it away. The only thing were the ones that were intact. So ask your people. Lord Jesus, help me on that day. (laughs) Natalie will go in the trash. I don't think you understand. (laughs) If I could have found the trash, I would have gotten it out. I am a very patient person, like extremely patient person. But when I am hangry, I am so hangry. (laughs) Me too. Oh my God. The, The Lord, the Lord better be with the caterer if that happens. So I'm just saying, tell your people, like if there's people who are going around and like picking up food, be like, listen, this table off limits. Do not touch my food. I don't care what time it is. No. Just let them know. Yeah, a little sign on there. It's going to say, do not touch my food. Exactly. Well, Puerto Rican and me will come out. It doesn't come out a lot, but it will. It will. <laughs> Oh my God. I will be like, Allie, hold my earrings right now. Um, Okay, guys, back on topic. Julie, um, you're in Vero. Yes. Right? Hometown. Yeah. Well, kind of. Yeah, hometown. Um, And then how old are you? I'm 27. So when I went to college, I went to Florida Southern, which is in Lakeland, so not far from UCF. But, um, when I graduated, I didn't know where I really wanted to teach. I was just like, I'm just going to apply to all these different places and just see. And then one from home said, yeah. So I was like, all right, I can live at home with my parents and not pay rent and at least like get a startup here. So that's why I came back. And then they offered me a full position um, the year after, like to have my own classroom. So I just stayed. stayed. Yeah. Did you, were you um, dating Alex? in college or did you like re meet him when you moved back home? Yeah. So we were like best friends in high school. Um, and we, that's how it starts. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone told me this was going to happen and I wouldn't believe them for anything. And neither would he. So we like left high school and then we just did, we never talked when I was in college. He stayed here. Um, but then I came back home 
and we ended up having just dinner one night and then we just ended up hitting it off again. Oh, that's adorable. I love a good story like that. It's so cute. (laughs) Allie loves a good transformation. I just, it's like, it should be like a Hallmark movie, you know, where it's like where they come home and then it's like, they're like old love and, but they didn't know. And now they know and I get married and it's just. Yeah, it's so weird, you know? And like, we both have lost a lot of weight since high school. Like he was over 300 pounds in high school. Wow. So like we actually looked up his old MySpace picture and I saw a picture of him. I'm like, that's my husband. Like that is <laughs> funny. My oh my God. Oh, I'm cringing. At but you know, like you just know that person from when you were like teenagers, wow. you know, in that immature stage of like, you think you're so cool, but you're actually not at all. <laughs> you know, you go to the mall on Friday nights and that's your, exactly. And then now you glow up and you're like, oh, okay. Do right. people still go to the mall on Fridays in Vero? Is it a it's thing? obnoxious. Yes. Oh, it's like the yeah. middle schoolers and the high schoolers, and they're all like drinking their Starbucks. Know. Yes, they're like drinking their little frappuccinos that are like halfway full with whipped cream, and they're just jamming. And they have their headphones in, walking around. They're all on their phones. The air. I'm like, go take a walk. Go find a hobby. Oh my god! Don't be here. Like you oh, can go somewhere else. I feel that, but I don't go to the mall as much. Like, but I can like see it. I can like, I can visualize our mall and I can just, oh my God. Yeah. It's sad. Oh my God. I know. Malls on Fridays. It was a mess. (laughs) My mom never let me go. So like I was never actually there. So you were one of those kids who was like trapped in their house. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. Good times happy that those are over <laughs> mm. yeah for real me too um okay so let's get into like the meat and potatoes of um this episode like I mentioned earlier guys it is a little bit of um a sensitive subject um and we don't want to shy away from the conversations that are a little bit of the harder ones to have um because we want to be able to talk about all of these things with you guys and how we've gotten through them and how we're working through them still. Um, and for you guys to know that it's like, okay to like still kind of harbor some pain and, and certain things you can never fully like forget or let go of or become numb to. So anyway, without further ado um julie can you tell us about um just your toughest moment um that you've gone through okay so for like background knowledge um my so i just lost my dad in march um he died from cancer he had a bone metastasis which basically is the like the deepest level of back in like bone cancer so basically it was from this like the top of his like skull or um, at the top of his neck, like all the way down to his body. And it took him over like very fast. Mm-hmm. So um, like years ago though, he had like skin cancer and then he had this other, he, he had a lot, but um, he had lung cancer um, a couple years ago and he was going to Moffitt, um, which is a cancer center in Tampa. And I told him that he was clear. He had no cancer anymore, he was cancer free. So of course, like we were super excited. Um, but this past September, 
this is what he told me in January of this past, of the, of the beginning of this year. But in September, he was saying that he felt like something was wrong and he didn't know what it was, but he kept that to himself because that's the type of person that he was. So in January, it was like right after Christmas Eve, um, we all went to like the Christmas Eve service together. It was New Year's Day and he called Alex and I over to the house and I'm like, okay, something's wrong. Like, absolutely. Like, there's no way that he's just going to call me and say, get over here right away without something, you know, being tied into it. Mm-hmm. So I get there and he's already crying and I don't understand why. And he just basically said, my cancer's back but it's worse. So his lung cancer turned into the um, bone metastasis. And they actually, whenever he went to go figure this out, he found out that it started in September when he started feeling like something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was a couple of months that he knew before I knew. Um, So that was tough, like knowing that he didn't want to tell me, but just like your father wants to protect you just like your mother, you know, like no matter, like your parents just want to protect you and keep you safe no matter what they do. Um, so that was his way was not telling me. And you're an only child, right, Julie? Yeah. I'm an only child. So like we only learn how to take care for yourself or you take care for others, you know? So hearing that, you know, it's like, okay, what can I do? You know, stop everything. Like, how can I do this? Like, what do I need to do to get you? Like, how can we like treat you basically? And he's just like, Basically, it's just like, I'm fine and I'm, I'll be ready when God's ready to take me. And of course, like as a daughter, you don't want to hear that, you know, you want your dad to be there and my wedding's in June. So just knowing that my dad could possibly not be there was something really hard for me. Um, a lot of, like a lot of the time I was just like thinking like, now, what's going to happen if he's not there to see my kids? You know, what's going to happen if he's not there to walk down the aisle? So all this stuff was going on. So basically, like, as time went on, so February, he was getting worse. He went to the hospital a couple of times. He met with the, um, the head of cancer research at our hospital here in uh, Vero. Mm-hmm. They were taking care of him. They gave him radiation, but it was making him so weak that he decided to stop. He's like, I don't want to go through this and feel like crap, like, It's just, it's making me feel worse. So he's like, I'd rather live. And if I feel worse on my own, not by something else that's doing this to me, I'd rather do that. So that's what happened. And then one day um, I was driving home to the, or I was driving to the gym and my mom called me and saying that it's getting worse. Like it's definitely spread way more than we thought it has. So I called Alex and we're like, what do you want to do? You know, do you want to like, we want to do that. I was like, we should just get married. Like we should have this time now to have him be there. So we planned a wedding in six days. And this is in February? This was in March. March. Okay. At this time. Yeah. So in February was when we got the call saying like, Hey, things are turning for the worse. Okay. All right. You know, so like just everyone got together, like, like his family, since they own the restaurant, they did all the food. Like my aunts and uncles, like they helped us with like chairs and tents and we got like a dance floor, just like we did it in my parents' backyard. And um, it was a very small like ceremony, like just strictly family was there and then my two best friends and that was it. Like, and then um, luckily like we had, like I knew um, a hairstylist, like I taught her daughter in my class this past year. So she was like, I will be there in a heartbeat to do your hair and makeup. Another student of mine, her parent was a photographer. So she's like, I will be there in a second. 
And then our videographer for the wedding in June, she was like, I'm free. I'm coming, you know, I will, we're going to make this like a memory for you guys. So we got married on March 2nd. That's like our legal day. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was hard for my dad, of course, you know, like I wanted to do like the first look and he was just like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want people around me. Like, I don't feel good. Like I'm sick, you know, but I'm like, this is a moment that we're never going to get back, you know, and then we might not get this in June. So, um, we did our first look and I wore like my normal wedding dress because I I wanted him to see that. Mm-hmm. And then for the ceremony, I wore a different dress. So of course no one else would, but my dad was able, he was like, he was sitting in a chair at the end of the aisle and he can't walk by himself at this point. Like it's crazy how fast it was for him just to like, like in January, just standing was normal, you know, to like March. And he had to use like a walker. Yeah. So it's hard to hold himself up. Um, so we ended up, I ended up grabbing his arm and we ended up walking down the aisle together. You know, he didn't use his walker. And at the end, like his just words were so sweet. Like we have a video actually, um, it's on my Instagram that. I know. Um, I saw it. Yeah. And he just said at the end, he was just like, your loss is my game. Like, this is my guy. I, I love him. Like he's the best kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to sit there and watch us get married, which was just such a blessing, you know, because that's what he wanted. No one else was getting ready to propose to me. My dad didn't know. And Alex showed up at his door and this is literally his words. I, I never cursed, but he said, when the fuck are you going to marry my daughter? Oh my God. <laughs> and he was so excited that like he was able to be there. You know, that was like his one wish. And I told him that, and he was just like, I don't want you guys suffering for me. Like, I don't want you to make all these plans happen just to have me at the wedding. But I'm like, no, this is for, not just for you. This is for me. This is for everybody. You know, we all love you. We all appreciate you. And we all want you there. So, um, so the wedding happened. We didn't get to do like our father daughter dance. He was just not feeling good. So he like, he was in his bedroom, but luckily his bedroom windows looked out to our ceremony and where like the reception was. Mm -hmm. So he was watching everyone dance and laugh and like eat and stuff like that. So that was nice. But then, um, that fall knows. Yeah. Two weeks later I was babysitting and I got a call and, um, my mom just said, dad's in hospice. So that day he just, uh, he was not feeling very well at all. Um, he wanted in home hospice for a while, but they just, he was like, he was going back and forth with like the medicines. He was at one, one point, like super happy and one point really just like sick and just angry all the time. So we didn't also want him feeling that way during this. So he decided that he wanted to go to hospice. So once the family got home, rushed my car, went to hospice and he was already like starting to get up on their medicine. Like, I think it was morphine that he was on and he was just like, kind of just like laying there like dazed and just like, he kind of whispered, I love you and stuff like that. But from then on, he was in the hospital for set or in hospice for seven days. And, um, we kind of got to watch the process of him going, you know, like the next day he didn't talk at all. Mm-hmm. There was no voice whatsoever. Um, he was just like sedated. So yeah. So then March 21st, um, I was at the house and my mom calls me and she's like, dad's passing. And I rushed, I was like trying not to get into a car accident, but I rushed all the way there and I got there and he was already gone. Um, of course I wanted to be there, but he didn't want me there. And I know he didn't want like my mom or anyone there either. Like he waited for seven days and I don't, we don't know like what took them so long, you know, like we're like, who needs to see him? Like 
who needs to make a visit for him? You know, so like my aunts came, my uncle came, my cousins came, my mom's sister finally came down from New York the day before he passed. And um, she was actually the only one in the room when he passed. My mom wasn't in there, his brother, his sister, no one like that. So, so yeah, so that like just, so getting up to this point, like just getting there and seeing him and knowing that there's no life left in him, like his spirit has left him and it's just his body. That was probably the worst moment for me. You know, just, it doesn't seem real because he's still laying there. You think that he's just sleeping, you know? So that was, that was definitely the hardest moment. And with that, like he wanted to get cremated. Like my dad had like a whole life plan for after his death. He's like, I do not want a funeral. I do not want to get buried. I want to get cremated. And this, and he already, he bought an urn off of Amazon. Like he's that type of person. Like he just had everything ready. Yeah, exactly. He had everything ready to go. And so the guy came for the crematory to pick him up. And they all told me like, you don't need to watch. You don't need to watch. But I watched them like bag him up, put him on the bed, wheel him out and put him in the hearse. Um, And just like seeing him drive off knowing that he wasn't going to be there anymore was hard, you know? And like, yeah. And like some people, like their harder times are different, you know? It could be someone who had a freak accident and got hit by a car crash and he never got to say goodbye. You know, one of my friends, that's how he passed. Um, it could be that if there's like, they're slowly dying just because of a sickness, you know, or it could be, they just went to bed and the next morning, like you find out that they had a heart attack in their sleep, you know? So everybody's like toughest moments, of course, are going to be different, you know, but I was, so I don't think I was lucky enough, but it's just, I was, I was able to be there when all this stuff happened. Um, so yeah, just all that in general was very hard. Yeah. Wow. That is a lot. I mean, you and your mom are two very, very strong women. And, um, you know, just knowing that you guys had to go through that and, you know, your dad, I knew him, um, but very, you know, just like sporadic times that like I would, you know, run into him or, you know, my parents would see him. But um, it's very hard to see somebody go from like being so vivacious and and just so strong and, you know, very like charismatic. Yeah, for sure. Someone that is just kind of going through the motions is very tough to see. Yeah, he was definitely not himself anymore either, you know, like it comes like that person you've known them for so long, you know who they are. And then once something takes over for them, like when I went to the house to go see him, he was not the same, you know, he just sat there kind of just like nodding his head, very quiet. And that's not him. He's loud. He's obnoxious like me. (laughs) Like his TV was on so loud that like anyone could hear it from like the next house over, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was a tough situation, but like my mom, she has been a rock you know, like she, like, and that's too, like, it's however you lost that person. So like, I lost my father, my mom lost her husband, but my aunt lost her brother, you know? So to everyone, it's like a different way of grieving too. Like you can grieve from losing your sibling or you can grieve from losing someone that's, you look up to as your parent, you know, or grandparent or whoever it is, you know? Yep. For sure. Um, Nat, do you have anything you want to say? 
this is a very hard topic for Nat. I mean, like, it's a hard topic for anybody, but um, with losing my grandma, I've had a little bit more time to, I guess, come to terms with it. Um, and it's still like a very hard topic to talk about. And um, wow, I just said it was like, I had, you know, plenty of time to get over it. And here I am, like, yeah. you know, um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's kind of like the same thing, you know, with, I mean, I work in a cancer center, so I see patients, they come in day one, you know, and they're, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to, you know, and some of them do, and some of them go to live full lives and that's amazing. But then to see people that like are slowly kind of like dwindling away is very, very hard to see. Um, but with my grandma, it's, you know, we knew she had Alzheimer's and we knew that it was going to get to a point where decisions and things were going to have to be made for her, you know? So, um, and then she starts, she stops recognizing you. And so, and then her body starts to shut down, you know? So it's, and you know, my mom lost her mom. I lost my grandma and my grandpa lost his wife. So it's, it's really a hard grieving situation, regardless of where you are in respect to the person, you know? And also where you are in life while that situation's going on, you know, like with my dad. um, So in like January, February, I started having like these weird pains, like in my back Mm -hmm. and I went to the chiropractor and I found out that my, my hips were out of line. So I had to stop going to the gym. Awesome. And then, and then during this whole situation too. So then right after my dad passed, like, of course we're planning a wedding during all this too, you know? And then after my dad passed in April, my bachelorette party, I fractured my foot. So it's like one thing after another, you know, like things like tumble down on you, you know, you could be in a point where you're so stressed out with just like work or just like in general. And then just like, Hey, this person's now sick, you yeah. know, and it takes a toll on you. You know, I remember so many times at the house where I would just cry. I could not say a word. I could not do anything. I would feel like I'm just like a rock laying on my bed Mm -hmm. and I physically couldn't move because all these things are going in my head. Like I was just thinking, how can I plan a wedding after this? How can we continue to like want to do these things? You know, like luckily, like the time that it happened, my dad or when he passed, it was my spring break. So throughout all my spring break, I was at hospice. So I told my boss and they let me take off the whole next week, the next week. So like they gave me like some kind of grace, you know, just like take your time. Like I tried, I was going to try to come back, but then they were like, no, you need to go home. Like we will figure things out. Mm -hmm. You can like, just go. Like, even if you're home doing nothing, like at least you're being able to let yourself like understand what's going on. You know, I teach five-year-olds. So like, they don't really, like they understand death, but not like adults do, you know, like a kid made a comment a couple of months after, um, actually it was in May and the year I was saying my favorite number is three. And then the kids asked why. And I said, because there are three people in my family, my mom, my dad, and I, and then she goes like, of course, like, I don't, I'm not mad at her for this. She's five. She's six. She goes, well, now there's two. Oh, God. Because they knew 
that he was gone because all my kids asked, why is like, why is Miss Kegney not in work? You know, I was gone for a whole week and they just, they've never been gone for me for that long. And I told the parents, I was like, if you want to tell your kids, that's fine. Um, just of course have them understand, like I'm going through something right. and like, they were of course, like so sweet about it, like giving me hugs all the time. But, um, but yeah, so it, it just depends on like where you are in life too. You know, you could be in a really good place in life and then something like this happens, or you could be somewhere where you are already like tormented with something else going on and then something else pops up, you know? Right. Yeah. Nat, you've been quiet. I mean, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot, you know, um, it's crazy because like I've, last year we lost Brandon's dad. And, uh, you know, before that had happened last year, like I had lost two grandparents, like I lost my grandma and my grandpa, um, on my mom's side and don't me wrong. Like those were really hard experiences, but there were a lot of things that buffered those losses for me. Um, one, I was really young like the first when I lost my grandma I was in the fifth grade so maybe 10 um and when I lost my grandpa I was maybe a freshman or sophomore in high school so older but still not at like an adult age and those age was part of the buffer that I had the other buffer that I had was that my grandparents lived very far away. They lived in Puerto Rico, so I didn't have frequent contact with them. The contact that we did have were like family vacations that we would take maybe like once, twice a year. Um, and the occasional phone call that we would have. So fast forward to starting Brandon. Brandon's parents, he's born and raised in a, in Orlando. He's grown up here. His parents were literally, his mom is 20 minutes away from us at most. So the amount of interaction that we had was almost every single weekend, almost every single weekend, even during the week. I mean, we were a unit. We were a family of four. And his dad was really sick. His dad was really sick, um, and he had been for a really long time. You know, he had to go multiple times a week to receive treatment. He had to be on dialysis because he had kidney failure. And, you know, it wasn't a question of when his dad would pass or if. It was a matter of when, really, I should say, because we all knew he was just deteriorating a lot. And he was on a lot of medication. He couldn't really get out of a chair without needing help. You know, uh, anytime we would go out as a family, he would need his wheelchair. Like he was just deteriorating. Sorry. It's okay. You are fine. But he did everything he could. 
He did everything he could to be with us. So all the days that he just felt miserable, all the days that he didn't want to go anywhere, he did it. So we could be a family together and we could spend time together. So his dad's passing was really hard because it was just a normal day. It was a normal day. Brian and I had just gotten engaged a couple months prior. We were in the middle of a renovation and it was a day that he had to go to dialysis. And usually when he had to do that, he had to be up super early. His dialysis takes several hours. Um, and, you know, usually he would be out within about like 10 o'clock. And so 10 o'clock rolls around and we're expecting a phone call. We didn't get a phone call. So we're like, okay, maybe, maybe the house is just taking a little bit longer. 10.30 rolls around, nothing's happening. 11 o'clock rolls around, nothing's happening. 11.30, we're panicking because it's not like him. And so we call the center and they tell us that he had to be rushed to the hospital. And getting the center on the phone, we then get another phone call from the hospital saying that he had passed. And it's, it's not easy. You know, I, um, I came up to Orlando, it's going to be 10 years ago now. And for the most part in those 10 years, it's been pretty far removed from my family. And family is like more important to me than anything. So when Mary and I started dating and finally had a family here finally had, you know, a second set of parents here. And I talked to his dad about everything. And um, he was the smartest man that I knew. You know, he always had an opinion and he was never afraid to be blunt with me on things. And I would just talk to him about everything, everything under the sun. And um, he would help. He's just like such a giving person. Like, for someone that was so limited, he did so much to help other people, whether it's just be to talk, to just send a text message, to just let them know that he was there and he was thinking about us. So this past year has been extremely difficult because similar to you, Julie, we're planning a wedding. And if we do things different, we could do the if we had known because truly we didn't know we knew it was going to happen but we didn't know it was going to happen yeah. if we could have done things differently we would have just done what you guys did too because now he's really not going to be there you know and I think that's like our biggest regret um that we have with planning the wedding is the fact that he's not there and there's so many things that go in our minds, like, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Should we just have gotten married last year? Should we not have worried about buying a house and getting settled first? Like, that's the biggest regret that I have because the whole reason why we waited was because we had so many other things lined up that we needed to handle first. And it's just, there's just, like, 
there's just things that happen during the day that I'm just like, man, I really want to talk to him right now. You know, I really need to ask him something right now, or I really need to pick his brain because he just knew so much. And even if he didn't know the answer to something, he was like, give me a day. Let me figure it out. I'll get back to you. Like, okay. And it's, you know, not everyone is as lucky as I am to say that they're marrying into a family that loves so much, that actually you have, like, a great relationship with your in-laws, you know? And I'm really lucky for that. And um, he loved me like a daughter, you know? Like, truly had no genetic tie to me like we didn't have any blood together but I was his daughter he looked at me as his daughter and for that I'm so lucky because the fact that like I could go and spend time with Brandon's parents just me not everyone can say they can do that so it's been it's been a year it really has been um like we it's just hard you know like you kind of lose yourself a little bit in the process of grieving you do absolutely and you know I I was losing myself a little bit there but I knew that yes I'm feeling this yes I'm I'm so sad right now um but I was like I need to be a support to Brandon because when I'm feeling him and his mom were feeling it a million times over. And so I had to just take it one day at a time. And I'm still taking it one day at a time, obviously. But I really, I went to such a dark place afterwards. Like, you just lose sense of time. You lose sense of, like, what it is that you have to do. And there are just days at work that I was just, like, crying. Like, I couldn't stop crying. And, um, you just somehow figure out how to move forward. It's not what you want, but you do. How, um, does that, like, grieving process, I mean, everyone grieves differently, um, but Julian, like, in your perspective or from your point of view, what does that process look like for you and what is it important or excuse me why is it important for people under to understand that it's different for everybody yeah so like with like I I don't know like with my mom and I like we were trying to both grieve at the same time of course but like me I'm the type of person who's very emotional I get very invested and my way of grieving is crying you know I cry I like I remember when I saw him, like, you know, when I saw that he passed, like, I was literally screaming. I've never done that before, you know, just because, like, you lost, like, I lost my, you know, like, my father was, like, if I was closer to someone, it was closer to my father than my mother. I love my mom to death, you know, but my father was definitely, I was a father's daughter. I was his little girl. But um, with the process, like, for me, for, in order for me to grieve, I had to cry. My mom, on the other hand, in order for her to grieve, she had to kind of not suck it up, but just like show how strong she is and try to be strong 
because that's what she thought my dad would have wanted. My dad would always say, like, he would hate when I cry. You know, like, when he told me, the first thing he said, like, I don't want you to cry. But that's just me. And that's him, too. You know, if he watches a sad movie, he's the first one to bawl his eyes out, not even me. You know? So he's, like, speaking to the choir over here. Um, but she would always say, like, Julie, you need to stop crying. Like, dad wouldn't want you to see you cry. And I would get mad. I would just say, I need to grieve in my own way. I love you and I appreciate you, but we all grieve in different ways and in different situations. And like, I'm respecting you for not being super emotional. That's fine. You know, you might just be emotional in your own little space and that's perfectly fine for her. For me, I just had to let it out wherever I was. You know, I didn't care who was in front of me. I didn't care who sat beside me or who was on the phone. Like if something happened, it just came out, you know? So it's all, it's so different for everybody. And um, actually, so I'm in this program right now. It's called Grief Share. And um, it gets held by different places. So right now my church is holding it. I found out actually like a couple weeks after my dad had passed. And basically it's a group where you go once a week and it like shows you a video. So like these videos are like really old though. So it's like two people standing in front of a green screen and there's like woods in the background. And I leader thought that they were actually in the woods. I'm like, no, that's a green screen. And that's <laughs> oh God. <laughs> but they go through all the stages of grieving. So like the stages that I talk about is like first is denial. So you're first like saying, no, this is not real. Like you're just, this can't just be happening. Like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not really this, you know? Um, and the second stage I say is anger. So first you might be angry at yourself. You might be angry at God. You might be angry at the person who died, you know? Um, and then there's bargaining. So it's like, please, like if you like take me, you know, take me and then bring that person back. Or it's like, what do I need to do to make this better? Um, then like depression and acceptance. And that's just like the general, but that's not the exact order either. You know, some people never get angry. Like I know a person and she said like, she's like her husband passed and her husband was never an angry person. Neither was she. So she's never been to the point of anger, but me, I was angry for a really long time. I was angry that I thought I did something wrong because I was, I was just thinking like, because he knew in September and he didn't tell us, like I was mad that he didn't tell me and I couldn't do something to fix it. You know, I'm like, what if he would have told me? What if I would have had like a, some kind of sense of knowledge, like that this is going on? Like I could have done something, you know? So I'm like, and then I'm like mad at my mom. I'm like, mom, why didn't you try harder? You know, mm -hmm. why don't you do something? But so everyone has their own way of like their own pathway of grieving. So like mine for a while was definitely denial. I didn't believe that he was really gone, even though I really watched him go, you know? And, um, like, of course I would like still look at his phone, like his text messages and like, I still have voicemails yep. and just like hearing those is like still really hard, but, um, it's important for other people to know too, because everyone's in a different stage, you know, like I was lucky enough that my work was able to give me off a whole week after we had a week off of spring break. Like they said, like, you're able to do this, but some people, they expect for that person to come back and say, you need to come back to work and do what you should be doing and what you did before this person left the earth. And it's like, that person can't physically do that. No. You know, they're not in the right state of mind. They don't have the right heart, you know, for it. They're just thinking like, where, where's my person? You know, where'd they go? 
why are they not here? You know, their mind's not in the right state. So it's like people, I feel like when people are going through grieving, like people just need to continue to give grace and just say, this person's going through something hard and do I need them to work right now? Yes. But can I find someone else to take over their job responsibilities for a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I had to, I had to get myself right with that because, because Brandon's progression, I mean, true. And I don't mean to put his business out there, but he was at a very low point, which is completely understandable. He lost his dad. So for me though, like we, we haven't done formal therapy. Like that's something that we as a couple have not done. I know we probably should, but we haven't done it. Um, just because one therapy is not for everyone, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a bad thing. Um, but we're the type of people that we just kind of like to try and handle it ourselves. And in this situation, is that probably the best? No, but that's how we have approached it. But I know that the stages of grief are different for everybody. For me, my mindset was I need to keep busy. Like I I need to keep busy. I need to keep doing the things that bring fulfillment to me in some kind of way because that's my way of coping. Like I knew Brandon's dad would not want me to be crying all the time. I knew that he would want me to still be doing everything that makes me me because he told me that all the time. Like just keep pushing yourself, keep, you're doing fine. Like just keep doing everything that you're doing. So for me, it was like, I just had to channel myself into something like, and at the time it was like getting the wedding planning started. It was working on stuff with the house. Like we had just so much going on. Well, when the dust settled a little bit, uh, things started to calm down and I didn't really have like as much of an outlet at the time. So I was like, okay, like, what else can I do? What else, like, can I do that's going to bring me fulfillment? Going back to the gym. I had to go back to the gym. I was like, if I'm staying here and not doing anything, I was like, I'm going to get in my head all the time. And I'm just going to keep thinking and asking myself and, like, ruminating, like, why, 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 why us? Like, why did this happen? Why does this have to happen now? Like, why couldn't we have had more time? And I was like, from thinking incessantly, I was like, I'm just going to be a train wreck all the time because I'm going to be in my own head all the time. Well, Brandon and I, we have really enjoyed going to the gym together as a couple. That's something that we really enjoy. So when I started going back, I immediately wanted him to like go back to like, because I was like, I know this is going to benefit you. Like this is something you really enjoy and kept pushing him to do it. And it got to a point where I had to stop because he wasn't feeling it. He wasn't feeling it. There are days where he would truly just lay in bed and didn't want to do anything. I mean, he was going through some serious depression and I had to accept that. And it's, you know, on top of everything that we were already like emotionally feeling seeing someone that you like you really care about and not being able 
to help them or help them in the way that you want to help them makes the process so much harder because it's like I know him like I know him I love him you know and to see how he was healing and how this process was going for him it was just it was breaking him down but me pushing him to do something that he wasn't ready to do me encouraging him to do it we were getting in some major fights about it because he's like I don't want to do it I can't do that I'm I'm physically so tired that I cannot do this right now so I had to stop I had to stop and that's when I started talking to Allie about like you know, getting back into the gym and, like, how I was going to be able to do this because where gym was, it was very far at the time, and making that drive by myself was very exhausting because it's essentially two hours of my day just driving, and it's hard for me at night, too, so there were a lot of, like, compounding variables in addition to, like, the grieving process that we were already going to that were making going to this gym difficult. And she told me, she's like, you just have to focus on you for a little bit. Like, Brandon is going to come around. Like, he's going to come around. He's, if you take care of yourself for a little bit, it's going to inspire something in him. And it's not going to be tomorrow. It might not be next month. It might not be in a year. But at some point, like, he will come around. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that was what I needed to hear, you know, because I was so down on myself, the fact that, like, I couldn't help him and how I wanted to help him. But in a way, I did. It just wasn't very apparent at the time. Like, I just started going to the gym and started focusing on myself, and now he's starting to come around and starting to go back to the gym, and he's for the first time in a year is really happy again and um it's the process is different for everybody yeah that's like, awesome. his timing too you know like how he's ready to step into that next step yeah and I mean like being like my Enneagram like we've talked about on the podcast before it's number two it's like the helper right so I had to put myself in check with his process because it was very much not what I wanted the outcome to be in that moment but at the same time I can't you can't force someone to heal in a certain way like you you can't like that's something that just has to happen naturally for them and whether that's whether that's talking to someone whether that's just like letting them channel their energy into something that is different for a little while or that brings them personal fulfillment and maybe not you as a couple if you're dating someone that's going through this like you just have to let things flow the way that they're supposed to and that was extremely hard for me to accept because I had to let it go to the point where Brandon was just down 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 and I just had to accept that that's where he was and that's what he needed to feel in that time to be able for him to start building himself back up yeah it's hard um and it's like what I told Natalie like when you try to push somebody before they're ready and this goes for anything like yeah grief they're trying to start on like a healthy lifestyle if they're trying to change what they're doing like they have to be mentally ready 
to do it. You can tell them all day long, hey, let's go to therapy. Hey, let's go to the gym. Hey, let's stop eating Chick-fil-A. Sorry, Brandon. Um, but until they're ready to make that change, they're never going to do it. And they're going to resent you and they're going to fight with you and be against everything that you're telling them because they're not at that point yet. Not They're not there. And you pushing them is making them like not want to be there that much more. Yep. So it's, it's hard. Um, and kind of talking a little bit how people grieve and um, I don't know if a lot of people feel this, but, and some people that do like, they feel kind of like shame with it, but it's to feel like a sense of relief when um, the person that they're caring for or the person that they've seen deteriorate over time, like pass. And it's, they feel that shame because they're like, I shouldn't feel relief because I just lost someone. You know, I just lost my husband, dad, brother, sister, whatever it is. But, and I'll use my grandpa as an example. Like my grandpa obviously lived with my grandma. Um, and my grandma, she was, she was a hoot. She, her Alzheimer's would really kick in. And she thought that my grandpa was like a thief. So she'd come around with a broom and like try to hit him with it. Oh my God. She thought my grandpa was her dad and would ask, you know, when's mom coming back? Like, when are my sisters coming back? Because my grandma was one of 15. So there was always, I'm sure, someone coming in and out of their house, you know? So, you know, and then having all of that and then having to see her stop talking, stop being able to to eat, to chew her food. So everything had to be blended up for her to start to lose motor function and and to the point where she had to be fed, um, to not know if she had to use the bathroom or not, you know? So it's, it was a steady decline. And then out of nowhere, it was all downhill. And when she passed, obviously my grandpa was very sad, but you could like, it's like, you could almost see the stress and just like the weight of everything he had to deal with just like lift off well because it's 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 hard to see your loved one deteriorate like no for sure I mean I my we sent my grandma back to Peru because just the care that we were receiving here wasn't what was best for her Mm -hmm. Um, one because she doesn't speak English um so having her go back to Peru, just the type of care that is given there is totally different. It's way more homey, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's just way more comforting. It's and different I had, culturally, I'm sure too. Oh, for sure. When, like the nurses that were there treated my grandma like their mom, you know, it was very, very sweet. Um, but I hadn't seen her in a really long time. And when I got there to Peru to visit her, I was looking at somebody completely different. I was like, that's not my grandma. She couldn't like form words almost. Like she couldn't form sentences really. She didn't know what she wanted. She needed help getting up, sitting down. Like it, it was not her. And like 
the second I saw her, I just started crying. Mm-hmm. And that's not something you want to do around the people that are already going through a lot. And what my grandma does really well is she's very, she's like an empath. So she like picks up people's emotions very easily. So I had to like step away from her because I didn't want her thinking that like I'm crying and it's your fault, mm-hmm. you know? So I had to really step away. Um, but what I did notice is that when she did pass, people like didn't really know what to do with me. Like, <laughs> cause you know, you just, like Julie said, you know, like you just kind of like start crying at random or, you know, or you just don't show any emotion and people are like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why aren't you feeling like you don't feel, or, you know, you're so like stoic or you don't show any emotion. Like you have a hard time connecting, which I've gotten a lot with dealing with things like this. Like they're like, why don't you take the day off? Like, why don't you go, you know, mourn the proper way? And it's like, just because I'm not showing my emotions to you doesn't mean that I don't cry every night, you know? doesn't mean that I don't feel Mm -hmm. deeply because that's like part of the reason why I'm so, like I can easily put up a barrier and like, not feel because I feel like way too much. Mm -hmm. So in dealing with people, like friends that are going through these types of things, like what are some, like what's some really good advice that your friends have given you or that you've given your friends that we can share with like our community when they have someone going through this type of grief? So like, so whenever I was going through it, you know, like Alex had a different relationship than I do with my father, you know, to him, it was his father-in-law. Um, they had an awesome relationship just like now, like how you with your father-in-law, you know, they were like best buds. They, my dad would call him every day, you know, like, Hey, did you see the stock market? Or like, Hey, what's going on with this job? You know, whatever. But, um, when, when I was first going through it, like I just had to let it all out and just cry. And Alex was trying to like get me to do things. And I'm like, I, I physically cannot, you know, like I, I need to just be where I am. And so he learned because he was with me every day, like let Julie do what she needs to do on her own time, you know? Um, but like, you realize like your friends or your true friends, when these things happen, show up, they will, like, if, if it's just a call or a text, if it's like, hey, I'm bringing you cookies, you know, like I'm just going to come to your house and just like sit in your house, you know, you can cry, you can watch a movie, you can do whatever you want to do, but they show up. So like, for me, it was awesome when just like, it wasn't people giving me like advice because when you hear advice and you're going through this, you just want to like, knock it out of the park. You're just like, no, you, you don't know what like, I'm feeling. Shut the hell up. Yeah. I get yeah, that. You- you're not in the same exact situation I am. You know, you did not lose your father. Like, this is hard. It's tough. And yes, it's someone that's close to them, but it's a different relationship. So it's not the same. So someone's advice to you, like when people would say, oh, like it takes time, you know, and um, like this, like you're going to have a new normal. Like at the time, I don't want to hear that. I'm like, I don't right. want a new normal. I want my father back. You know, mm-hmm. I want him to sit next to me and like kiss me on the shoulder and tell me that he loves me. Like, can I get that back? No, but 
when people say those things to me or they did say to me, like it definitely hurt. And that was something that we talked about like in that class I'm in is that like people just like they want to help. And that's the type like you, of course, anybody, whoever's going through anything, you just want to help someone, you know, but your way of helping could be hurting that other person. Right. So it's like just letting them, like letting that person who's grieving, like listen to their heart and know what they need. And like, you can just ask them like, Hey, what do you want from me? You know, like, what can I do? Or just like, here, I'm here to sit next to you. I'm not going to give my opinion. You can talk as long as you want or as little as you want or not at all. But I'm sitting, I will sit right here next to you, you know, because mm-hmm. sometimes no words is better than any words, right? you know, because then that lets you figure out what you want to say, if you even want to say anything or just process everything through your head, you know, like, while I was in hospice, my two best friends came, um, the second night and I was just crying hysterically the whole time. You know, we didn't really have too much of a conversation just because we're all going through the motions, you know, like my dad was like their dad for so long too. Like we were close enough that like we'd all have sleepovers, you know, but, um, they like realized like we cannot push her to do anything, you know? And like one of my best friends, she lost her mom when she was younger. And when we're, when we're younger, you don't, you don't know what people need, you know, now that we're old enough, like it's not that we're extremely mature, but we have more of a sense of what is life and what is going on around us. And you can sense someone like, oh, they really didn't like what I just said. I need to show that, you know, or, oh, I I'm giving them a hug and they're laying their head on my shoulder so I can squeeze them a little bit tighter and let them know that I'm there. You know, you get that sense of what that person needs just by being around them. So like if you're, if you're going through something or if your friend's going through something, I recommend that like you just go to them and you're just like, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. And if they say they don't need help, just say, all right, I'm here for you. You know, I'm one phone call away. I will be at your doorstep in a minute. You know, just let me know if you want me to just bring ice cream, you know? Yeah. That's you know, so that was my favorite. Like I would just sit on the couch. Like I gained a lot of weight when my dad first passed and I was afraid I wasn't going to fit my wedding dress, but I just sat there. Like that's my coping. It's always been my coping is just to like take a tub of my favorite ice cream out and eat it or just snack, you know, or just watch a movie or just lay on the couch and have like radio silence, you know? Yeah. So I, I definitely just think like those people though will definitely show up, you know, like I had some friends who didn't come who didn't do anything and that's fine you know everyone's on their own stage of life too you know you might have a friend who's going through their own situation and they physically can't be there for you and you need to understand on that point like yes do you want them to be there and want them to call you absolutely but they're also going through their own situation so we go back and forth of like understanding each other mm-hmm. and knowing that it's okay to go through what you're going through and for them as well. Well, I think that's a really fair point because like Brandon and I have had this conversation a lot because certain people who we would expect to have been pretty consistent figures in the grieving process, they haven't been. And I like, I like to see and give people the benefit of the doubt in terms of why or why not they may be doing something. And in, in my mind, I like to think that this 
group of people, maybe they just don't know how to be a, a stand-in figure for you. Maybe they don't, you know, and that's kind of hard, especially if they're going through their process of grieving on their end. When you have an expectation in your mind in terms of how someone is going to be in your grieving process and they aren't that, it does make you really angry. Makes you angry because it's like, did, did, did they not mean anything to you? Did they, are, are we not going through the same thing here? This is a key person that was in both of our lives, not just mine. And you really haven't been here. Why? Why? That's so selfish of you. You should be here. They give, they give everything to you and you're not giving anything back to them in their passing. Why are you doing this? And I mean, these are a lot of the things that we've thought, you know, and Brandon rightfully so is, is angry and it makes sense why. I like to think that maybe people just don't know how to grieve in the same way. Some people, they don't want to be a stand and figure. They don't want to talk about the problem. They don't, they don't want to do these things because it is too painful for them. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know, you know, and, and it's hard to know that. Um, I think Everyone's people- so different. Everyone's so different and everybody handles change differently. Some people, they, they, they run away from change and, and that's fine. That's, that's how they roll. Um, other people, they try and embrace it as much as possible and establish, quote unquote, a new normal. Um, and it's when you're going through a loss, expectation versus reality like that is very different for every single person. Um, and depending on who it is um, that you're interacting with or who your loved one interacted with, they just might not have the capacity to, to feel the same way as you, to be a stand-in figure in, in the way that you're expecting them to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Some people just don't even know what to say. Either, yeah. It's like, it's like writing, it's like writing a sympathy card, like a sympathy card. There's a lot of good intent there, but if you haven't been in it, if you haven't been in the weeds of it, you don't really know what to say. Right. Yeah. And in your, in your words, as thoughtful as they are, it's probably best just to like keep them to yourself in some cases, truly. Cause it's yeah. like, oh, you're, you're going to feel better soon. Like I'm, I'm a year after, over a year after losing my father-in-law and I'm obviously not better. And, you know, I've made a lot of progress. Um, but it's not, it's not a linear progression that you go through. It's, yeah, it, right. it's, and it's not even a cyclical progression. It, it comes in waves, you know, one day you're feeling really, really good. And I tell Brandon, I was like, I can't talk about him because when I talk about him, I'm, I, I just shut down, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, I think the, bulk of this conversation is around understanding that people's needs are different, that people grieve differently. How you approach the grieving process is not going to be the same as your friend or as your loved one, you know, and it just falls on us to adapt in whatever way we, we can to be able to see situations for what they are and grieving is is no exception to that it's it is probably where that applies the most um yeah. people feel so differently they handle the situation so differently 
Yeah. There's um, a video. It's a Brene Brown video. And we actually show this at my job because there's a huge difference between sympathy and empathy. Yep. Um, so if you have a chance, guys listening, ladies, whoever, um, just go to YouTube, type in Brene Brown empathy video or whatever, and it'll come up and it'll show you and it'll give you very clear examples as to what is an empathetic statement and what is like a sympathetic statement and why you should not be using sympathy when you're trying to connect with people mm-hmm. um, in general because it just doesn't work. No, not at all. Yeah. Because you're just like, hey, I'm sorry for your loss. They're in a better place. And you're like, okay, hey, that, no, a better place would be here with me to where I can hug them and where I can tell them I love them. And so that's a better place for me, you know? Um, so go ahead and watch that video. It's really great. Um, we tried to do it with all of our new hires because obviously working in a cancer center, our patients and their families are going through a lot and we want to let them know that we are with them and we are, you know, we, we will be there to help them work through it. Yeah. We may not understand what you're going through. Like we may not know it on a personal level, but we are here for you if and when you need us. And I've learned with that video, like I'm not sometimes very good with words. I'm truly not. Um, and kind of who, I don't even know which one of you said it, but it was like, if sometimes you don't even know what to say, just be there. Mm-hmm. Just be there. You know, I um, had a coworker whose daughter tried to hurt herself and she was crying at work. And I'm like, I have no idea what to say. This is literally what I said to her. I was like, I have no words, but I'm here for you. Like, if you want to talk, if you want to tell me what's going on, like, I may not be able to help you in this situation, but I'm here to listen and talk things through with you. And that's helping more than you think, mm-hmm. you know, like my aunt, she lost, so my dad was one of five. And so the youngest brother died when I was two, the oldest sister died Christmas Eve when I was in sixth grade. And then now my dad, so there's only two left. And so my aunt, like when this all was going on, she was of course upset, you know, like when we had like his little celebration thing, like after, like we were all messes. Um, we actually just got together last month for like a, just like to family to get together. My aunt like apologized to me. She just said, I'm sorry, I'm not there for you. I'm going through what I need to go through because I lost my favorite brother. And I really want to be there for you, but I don't know how to be right now. So just know that if you need me, call me, you know, like that's what I can do for you. But like on the other hand, you know, I have another friend who just lost her grandma and like for her to help, like I just bought her coffee, we went to Target. You know, that's what she needed to do. She still needed to do things. So I was there for her like that. Like everyone has their own way. And the same thing with with sympathy and empathy, like you're saying, like when you say, I'm sorry for your loss, or um, I hope you get better soon. Like it's, it hits you hard. But if you just say like, I'm right here, talk to me when you want, you don't have to, but you can. Like that to someone that's like a whole like world of just love, you know, and that's what that person needs in that moment in time. You know, like sometimes I'll just sit by Alex and I'll just cry and he'll ask me what's wrong. And I'll just start, I'll just keep crying. And he knows that there's just things going through my mind 
and things that I can't stop thinking about. And so he just knows at this point, like, I'm just going to hug you. And I'm just going to rub your back. You know, you don't need to speak. Yes, I'm your husband. And of course, I want to hear if you want to be able to speak, but he respects me on that point. So if you really don't want to speak about anything, I completely understand that you don't, that I don't need to hear it. You know, it's not my time to hear it. And when you're ready, that's when it'll be time. You know, respecting that person and knowing that they will get through it and with you just being by their side. Yep. You know, it's really important to have that support system, you know, that actually understands you. Um, this is a, just a quick example before we wrap up, but I had um, another coworker of mine who had a miscarriage with her baby. Um, and she was farther along than I think like, you know, whatever normal miscarriage window usually happens in. So she was past that point. And, you know, somebody wrote her, obviously like with good intention, they were like, you know, God's going to give you another baby. Like it's going to be okay. And she was like, I don't want another baby. She's like, I want the one that I miscarried, you know? And like, obviously the woman like didn't mean it in a way that's like, forget your, this baby, like, you know, you'll have an, you'll have the opportunity to be a mom again, you know? Um, but that wasn't what my friend needed to hear at the moment. And, you know, so that was really hard for her. And it was a hard thing for kind of everyone, you know, that's close to her because, you know, obviously we were all excited for this baby to get here. And we were like, okay, we're out of the, the weeds with this. Like we're, we're good to go. And then, you know, things happen that are out of our control and we just kind of have to handle it. Like you said, Julie, with like a lot of grace and give her a lot of grace because we're, I mean, working in healthcare, you are naturally like there for other people. So we had to let her, you know, have her time and we kind of picked up a little bit of her load because we're like, we can't put you out there. Like, there's no way, you know? Yeah. And, and with that, like you, like this, like I, in the class, we talked about like grief spurts. Like, do you guys know what those are? Like where just out of nowhere, like you get a smell or a memory and you just lose it, you know, like you just mentally and physically, like you're weak and you're just like, for me, when that happens, I just cry, you know, to someone else, they can just get really mad. And it's like, when you go through that stuff, you need to also find a way to overcome that because you might be in your workplace. You might be out at dinner. You might be in Disney world, you know, you might be anywhere. And then just something happens in your mind and you just, it's just a burst of grief, you know? And we talked about how like to overcome that, you have to find like a system that works for you. So like for me, when that was happening in the beginning, Alex went back to work um, a couple days after my dad had passed and that was my thing. So I just immediately called him and he, if he answered the phone and I was crying, he just knew he had to just sit there and just like, listen, and it was just like, is everything okay? You know? And I was just like, talk to him about what's going on. And then I ended up calling myself down. But then I realized I can't do that all the time to him. You know, I can't take calling him at work. So I had to find that. I had to find my own way of getting over it, which you're, it's fine when you are in your grief first, like it could be as long as you want, but if you're in a place where you need to kind of bring it back together, like you got to find a way how to do that on your own. So like mine was now like starting just to listen to music. 
like if I just listen to music to kind of take my mind away, you know, like you get wrapped up in the lyrics, mm-hmm. you get wrapped up in like a, maybe a memory from that song from a different time, you know, not related to that person who passed. And then you start to like, it's kind of like a 360, you bring yourself back together and you're like, all right, now I can back, get back to what I was doing, you know? So I definitely think that's like something good for everyone when they go through something like that, you know? That's really that good. Me a lot. You know, it could just be like at work, we had orientation on Friday and a parent came in from a couple of years ago and asked me, how am I doing? And I started to start to cry. And I just started to think about how like this story might help this person too, you know, like help them with whatever they're going through. So that's another way too, is just thinking like your story can possibly help someone else go through what they're going through. Yeah. You know, just realizing that that's there for someone else is another way to help yourself from those grief bursts. That's awesome. Those are really good techniques that you don't think, you know, about. You're just like, how do I get out of this quickly, you know? And then yeah. it almost makes it worse <laughs> the more yeah, pressure you put. Like, I didn't even know there was like a name for it, you know? Like just someone started talking about it. I'm like, that happens to me. And then someone else is like, that happens to me too. And we're all like, we're all having the same kind of issues, you know? So what's a way to resolve it so that we're able to keep going on? You know, you don't want to be in that funk all day, but if you have to, then that's what you have to do. You know, sometimes you just need to give yourself that time to debrief and disconnect and go through that. But sometimes you're like, okay, I want to, I want to figure this out. I want to know how can I get through this on my own? Yeah. That's powerful. That's, that's really powerful, especially just, you know, if you are in your place of work, you know, and especially with you and, um, in kindergarten, that's kids are a lot (laughs) to, to handle and then to have to handle all that. And then to have to kind of hold yourself together. Um, that's really a good technique for anybody that's, you know, listening or, and with that too, like just bringing back like good memories. So like when my dad passed in hospice, um, their symbol at hospice, if someone passes, that they put a butterfly on the door, outside the door. So like when people walk by, they know that this person recently is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, when my dad passed, I was just a mess. I ran not to my car. I ended up actually journaling. Alex, my husband, he was like, have you ever thought about writing this stuff down? Like what you're going through? And I'm like, no, like, I'm not really like a writer, you know, like I've never really been a fan of it. I mean, for kids, yeah, to help them. But for me, I'm like, no, not really. I hated writing papers in college, you know? And he was like, why don't you just try it? So I was sitting there in my car after you passed. And I literally just wrote a letter to him as if mm-hmm. he was there next to me. Just like the whole step-by-step of, I remember when I got the phone call at my house, driving to the hospice house, you know, getting there, seeing him, seeing the her, seeing like just all my emotions. And I realized by the end of while I was writing, I was, I would stop crying. And I'm like, this might be really helpful for me. So now I just continually write in a journal. If I want to write him a letter, I write in there. But like, so after I wrote this page the day of, I came back to the room and of course, like my aunts and uncles are there, Alex, my mom, they said that they saw a yellow butterfly outside of the window and my dad's favorite color is yellow and so is mine. So we consider that like as like a symbol from him, like saying like, I'm okay. 
And then like, we also saw like red cardinals too. And red cardinals are a sign of, you know, joy and peace. And there were two of them. So we were like, just, you know, just like so many thoughts go through your mind, you know? And um, my grandmother, his mother passed, she had dementia. She lived with us. And my mom, my dad would always say like, I really miss my mom. I really wish that she was still on this earth. Like, I wish that she could meet your husband. I wish that she could just see where we are now. And so like, so after the butterflies were gone, there was the two cardinals and we're just like, maybe that's just like a sign that like they're together again, you know, like they're like reunited. Just so just like, even just little things like that to make you just realize that like, hey, things are okay. Things are all right around you. You know, like even sitting on the bench outside, there was a bench outside his door and it was cloudy all day. When he passed, the sun came out. Mm. And we call him Sunshine Johnny. That was his name. Mm-hmm. And same. And so, like, I was sitting on the bench, and the sun was peeking through, like, right through the the branches and the leaves, like, right on me. And I was just like sobbing, you know. I'm like, Dad, like, you're okay, you know. Like, might not be okay for me here, but you're okay up there, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, even at the wedding, like our wedding, oh my gosh, it was a mess. So we went outside. So I did a lot of stuff for my dad. Um, posted on my Instagram, but I, the shirt that he wore for the wedding in March, I got that cut out into a heart mm-hmm. under my dress. Um, we got his picture into like a little, um, charm that was wrapped around my bouquet. I had a seat for him that said daddy at, for the ceremony and the reception. And then uh, I had like a handkerchief for him. And I had a picture of us, of me and him as a little baby, um, on his chair. And we had like a corsage for him and not a corsage, like a little boutonniere for him. So we went outside to go take pictures and it was cloudy, you know, like when we were at the hotel ready to come over, it looked like it was going to storm and I was freaking out. We were like, I was like, this day cannot go wrong, you know, like mm-hmm. this just can't happen. So, um, so when we went outside to take pictures, as soon as I lifted up my dress, the sun came out mm-hmm. and we all lost it. Oh you know, God. like the photographer, the videographer, my mom, me, we were just all sobbing and we were all just saying like, he's here. Mm-hmm. He's not physically here, but he's here. And so it's like going back and remembering those memories. It's just, that brings you peace, you know? And like during the ceremony, we had a couple of friends sitting in the chairs. They said that when I walked out of the building down the aisle, one of them looked up and saw that there were like gold specks, like in the sky. Mm-hmm. And then she nudged her friend and she goes, look up. And then she looks up and she's like, and she's like, are those bugs? And my other friend said, no, those are angels. Oh, so it literally felt like my dad, his, all, so his three grandparents passed, all my grandparents passed, you know, my uncle, my aunt, like, it just felt like after we heard that weeks later, that just brought a sense of peace to like, wow, like this is there. Yeah. You know, and just, so going through, like when you're in a, when you are upset, like it's hard to remember the good things, but that's what you want to like try to remember. You know, I can remember the time when my dad called me at the gym and he was on the medicine. So he was yelling at me saying like he was ready to die. And I was on the Stairmaster, you know, I could think of that and that does like make me upset. But then I could also think of the good times that we had and those little, like the butterfly. So if I go outside and I see a yellow butterfly, I automatically think that he's around, Mm -hmm. you know, or if I see like the red cardinal or if I just see like specks, you know, that just like symbolizes to me, like 
he's just like nudging on my shoulder like hey I'm here I love yeah. you and I'm like you know so I don't know if that would help but yeah it does bring a like a sense of peace or you know a sense of like you know they're okay or that you know they're like watching over you or that they're not forgotten and they haven't like forgotten you you know yeah so that's yeah a sense of peace for sure um anything either of you want to share anything else um before we wrap up this episode no okay well thank you again julie so much for coming on here and sharing like you know your story what you've gone through and just you know how you're still kind of working through everything and just you know what's on your heart because i know that can be really hard for some people to share like their most vulnerable pieces of them you know so um i know your story and what you've gone through and you know what natalie's gone through and what i've gone through will help other people and i'm sure the techniques that you shared um about either like letting yourself feel feel the emotions or when you need you know to, to kind of snap back out of it um that's really going to be helpful to a lot of people i know um so again thank you so much for coming on here and sharing um we really appreciate it i know it's like a tough to a tough topic um but like i said i know a lot of people are really going to appreciate the vulnerability on here so um I'll do my closing remarks. It's not going to be as peppy as it always is, guys. But um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I just forgot. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on our website, my not so balanced life podcast.podbean.com. You, uh, wow, what? You can tune in every Tuesday. That's when we release new episodes. And if you really like what you hear on this podcast, please leave us a review and rate us and subscribe to everywhere that you listen to because um, it just helps other people find our podcast and connect with individuals like Julie. Um, and we will uh, tag her in our post, obviously, so you guys can give her a follow. Julie, what is your Instagram handle if you oh, want people bless. following you? I don't care. That's fine. I'm just trying to think what it is. I think it's J underscore kegs three. Okay. Pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah. J underscore kegs three. Perfect. Um, and everyone knows mine and Natalie's. Um, so yeah, as always guys, please DM us with suggestions for episodes or things that you really liked on here. We really love talking to you guys and, uh, we will see you guys next week. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. bye.